Hello, I'm Victoria Carey, Grazier's Editorial Director. One of my favourite things in the magazine is Maggie McKellar's column, and I'm delighted to tell you that it is now also our latest podcast. Welcome to The Farm Diaries, a new Grazy Her podcast sponsored by Blundstone. We're in the last week of the lambing season for 2021. On the mainland, the weather is already hot, the grasses are running to seed, and the stock are seeking shade. Here, the clover has sprung out of the ground but has not yet flowered. The barley grass is green and there is no sign of a grass seed. We are in a season of abundance. The country is draped in different hues of green. The box hedges in the garden are a riot of fluorescent growth. The ground is soft like a sponge and the grass is a thick matting. A humming forest that you don't so much walk over as push through. Our summer comes months after the reality of heat has settled like a call over the mainland. I've become accustomed to the late arrival of summer, to the long light at the end of the day still having a cold bite to it that has me hungry for the couch in front of the fire rather than a sundowner on the veranda. We will finish the lambing season with lambs everywhere. If anything, this year has been busy because of all the rain. But every paddock we check, every moment the wheels spin, it's only Jay's long knowledge of each contour, each boggy patch that keeps us moving. Every time we brave another creek crossing with the water running high, I am taken back to the drought. It's hard to reconcile that this is the same country. Even with the good season, I have a paddock full of potty lambs, including one with a broken leg, whose determination to live had Jay coming up with the innovative solution of using an old pool noodle as a splint. Each of them has survived against the odds. There's a lamb I found abandoned under a tree, its mouth cold. The helpless lamb who stood beside a huge wedge-tailed eagle as it fed on its dead twin. There's a couple of tiny lambs who I couldn't drive past on one of those mornings where it had rained all night and there was snow on the mountain. I'd brought them home and warmed them up. I'll be feeding them all through until Christmas. And though the job is monotonous, it's also rewarding. And when summer, proper summer, finally arrives in Tasmania, I will wean them onto the flats where the fragile fuzz of green will have grown into a thick crop of oats. Now here is my lambing diary that I kept during the drought, the spring of 2019. Jay turns up to the yards with another orphan. A lovely big merino land from the twin, twin mob. She mothered the small one and not the big one, he says. The lamb has been bleating for hours. It has no voice left. I take it back to the house and give it a dose of colostrum. In true merino fashion, it will not suck. I pour the thick, life-giving glug down its throat one drop at a time. The sun is out, but the fire is on. The lamb curls to sleep and I try to catch up on emails and finish reading a book I'm reviewing. The breakfast things are not washed up. The washing is not hung out. The wood basket is empty and it's not even lunchtime and I'm aching all over and tired. In the afternoon, I take the lamb over to the yards. I have one spare ewe. Though she's a true drought sheep, there's nothing of her. 
She'd managed to lamb, but she was too weak to get up and her lamb had died, so we brought her back to the yards. She's propped up in a frame to get the blood circulating through her. I put the lamb under her and my face creases with a wry smile. Because as determined as that lamb was to not suck a bottle, it is equally determined to suck from her small udder. The colostrum I'd forced into it has made it loud and strong. This is my mother, it shouts. Yeah, righto, I say. Just got to keep her alive for you. I give her a drink and some hay. Incredibly, though she'd shown no interest in anything I'd offered her before, with with the lamb under her, she drinks and eats. Miles, who puts his bees on our place, drops by, by the yards. He has hives up on the edge of a paddock of lambing ewes, so Jay goes with him to show him how he can get to them without disturbing any of the maternity paddocks. The drought is affecting the bees too. He has to feed them with a mixture of sugar and water just to keep them alive. I am up to my armpits in lambs. When they get back, Jay says he spotted a lamb in with a mob of dry ewes that we're basically running as weathers. He has work to do. I have work to do, but we both get in the ute and go back to where the dry ewes are running. The lamb is where Jay saw it. He catches it easily. It hasn't been cleaned. The membrane of the birth sack is dried hard like a helmet. The lamb has the most piercing bar and his cries fill the ute cabin. I stick my finger in its mouth to shut it up. It sucks with fury. We scan the paddocks for a cast ewe that might be its mother. Nothing. Out on the west-facing slope, the ewes graze, oblivious to the noisiest lamb in the history of the world. We circle, slowly, looking for a ewe that has some discharge, a trail of afterbirth, some sign she has given birth. We finally see her at the back of the mob. Without newborn lambs to worry about, we can move the mob about, so with one hand on the steering wheel and the other holding the lamb out of the window of the ute, Jay drives close to the mob, drops the lamb and accelerates away. This has a 50-50 success rate. Often the lambs follow the ute rather than head toward the mob of ewes. Their instinct is to run after the largest shape and some get confused. But this lamb does the right thing and stands and bars mightily. It takes tentative steps towards the ewes and we circle around, pushing the mob gently onto the lamb. Some of the ewes pause and smell the lamb, but most drift past oblivious to its cries. We watch as its mother walks right past it without even flicking her ear. Jay curses her, says he wishes he had a gun. He'd shoot her. He's infuriated by ewes who won't mother their lambs. I roll my eyes and manage to refrain from saying, if only it would rain. By luck or good management, the mother stays at the back of the mob. As they start to string out, Jay cuts in front of her and I am out the ute door and sprinting after her. I catch her easily, more due to Jay's rally driving skills than my running prowess. We load her up and pick up the lamb and head back to the yards. By the time we get there, the ewe is threatening to prolapse. Jay sloshes his arm with disinfectant and slowly pushes her protruding uterus back in. We carry her carefully, butt up, into a small yard. I put a lamb in with her and leave them. The rest of the day passes in a blur. We try and fit in other jobs that don't stop even while lambing is in full swing. I take the ute while Jay takes the tractor to begin working a paddock up to sow a crop of rape onto to wean the lambs. This is an exercise in optimism. I leave the ute for him and walk home via the hill run. 
I stop on the ridge and look down over the flats. They are the only tinge of green on the whole place. Below, the twin mobs are grazing. It looks so serene from up here. I spend the afternoon in the yards. The ewe who refused to be a mother is now standing over her lamb, who is fast asleep, its belly swollen with milk. I take the skinny ewe with her newly fostered lamb out of the frame and spend a few hours getting her to stand up. This one is a doer. She drinks the water I offer her, gobbles up the pellets and lets the lamb suck. If I put a dollar value on my afternoon, it would be a ridiculous waste of time. But I can't do that. Instead, I stand in the late afternoon light and celebrate the indomitable will to live. Thank you for listening to The Farm Diaries, a grazier podcast voiced by author and columnist Maggie McKellar and sponsored by Blundstone. An Australian icon since 1870, Blundstone remains 100% family-owned and Tasmanian-based. Blundstone boots have been a farmer's best friend for generations, durable, dependable and packed with all-day comfort. The elastic-sided series has proved to be an all-round favourite in the rural sphere and from that the 600 series was born. Based on their original iconic design, six styles were crafted for rural consumers. The pull-on kick-off convenience means that a hard day's work can be easily left at the front door. The 600 series is exclusive to the work, safety and rural channels in Australia and New Zealand, offering fresh takes on Blundstone's timeless styles. To view Blundstone 600 series, visit blundstone.com.au.
Thank you for listening to The Farm Diaries, a grazier podcast voiced by author and columnist Maggie McKellar and sponsored by Blundstone. An Australian icon since 1870, Blundstone remains 100% family-owned and Tasmanian-based. Blundstone boots have been a farmer's best friend for generations, durable, dependable and packed with all-day comfort. The elastic-sided series has proved to be an all-round favourite in the rural sphere and from that, the 600 series was born. Based on their original iconic design, six styles were crafted for rural consumers. The pull-on kick-off convenience means that a hard day's work can be easily left at the front door. The 600 series is exclusive to the work, safety and rural channels in Australia and New Zealand, offering fresh takes on Blundstone's timeless styles. To view Blundstone 600 series, visit blundstone.com.au.